like last week was a big week for me. Did it shut a few people up probably, but I didn't go out there trying to do that because I don't, you know, I don't listen to people like that. I just listen to people that actually matter. Hello there, welcome to episode 157, 157, who knew, of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Getting very excited for a couple of big weeks coming up. Solheim Cup, Ryder Cup, Alfred Dunhill Links, and is there a President's Cup? That's, ah, of course there's not, <laughs> who cares? What a load of nonsense, eh Bryce? <laughs> Anyway, hello, Michael uh, McEwen here. Thank you very much for tuning in. We've just lost our international listenership. It's fine. We'll win them back next year. Yeah, loads to get into today. And today, something slightly different. We're going to focus really quite a lot in the first part on the Solheim Cup because it is coming right up at Fincha Cortezin in Andalusia. In fact, let me see. Eight days from now, then the first shots will be in the air and... There's quite a lot to get into, so we want to really give that some love and attention. Where will it be hosted again? Fincha Cortezin. Andalucía. <laughs> in España. That's about as much as I know. And that is accent number one okay, of the week. Okay, fine. Yeah, not bad. Bunkered editor, Bryce Ritchie. Good morning. Hello. Welcome. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, oh it's always a pleasure. Thanks. How is your back? Back's great. Because I got a DM from someone last week and they are like, you know, who's the latest and Bryce's back? Okay, that's a fair, fair point. We've talked about it a lot and now we've stopped, which I think answers the question. It's okay. Yeah, back's phenomenal. It might be it might be ruined in a few weeks because I've got a project where I'm building a shed <laughs> on the side of my house. Stop right there. You're building yeah. a well, shed. Well, no, technically I'm not building a shed. I'm buying the shed. <laughs> Someone's going to build it for me, but I need to lay the foundations. So if anyone in podcast world has ever laid the foundations for a shed and can hand out advice. Um, how does a shed need foundations? Because it'll sink. What kind of shed are you buying? A heavy one. It needs to go on a concrete base. That sounds more like a garage. It's not a garage, no. It's not a... Like, this is a terrible chance. Move on. The lengths that you two are going to go to to not talk about football is absolutely <laughs> infuriating. Oh, that that Let's have a couple of minutes. I'm <laughs> associate editor Alex Perry here. I'll introduce myself. Let's, talk about football. Let's just get into it. Let's just get into it. Fine, fine. Oh, Jude oh, Bellingham's good, isn't he? Super. You know what? I'll tell you this. Hi, Alex. Jude Bellingham, I think Jude Bellingham is going to win the Ballon d'Or within the next two to three years. If he stays fit, He's a Ballon d'Or winner all day long. He is a he modern class. day Zinedine Zidane. He was class, wasn't he? He makes me feel th- he makes me feel things that I haven't felt in a long time about yeah. the England team. Yeah, it was what, a bit pride, of a, optimism, was a bit of a thump back. Pride, the yeah, exactly. The yeah. Scotland team, wasn't it? We were a bit, we were a wee bit rubbish. Yeah, we were absolutely dreadful. But it's fine. It was only a friendly. It doesn't matter. It's, it's totally pointless. No, totally nothing pointless. matters. If it had been a competitive game, we would have totally pumped you. Aye, obviously, we beat them nil nil. Some of the goals in that were brilliant. <laughs> Alex, how are you doing? Apart from being obviously thrilled at England's fluky win on on Tuesday night, I'm doing very well. I feel like you skipped over some. Something there. You you said someone DM'd you to ask you about Bryce's yeah. back. Yeah, it's, that's, quite, it's, that's quite thirsty, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if it's because they can't get access to Bryce's DMs or whatever it is, but yeah, they're like, oh, I love Bryce, the podcast. Follow this guy for God, <laughs> right, whoever okay. it is. Follow him and let him give him. Michael is like. in your PA. He shouldn't be doing this for you. <laughs> Thank you. At last, somebody <laughs> realizes. Jesus. <laughs> Oh, yeah. dearie me. But yes, Alex, you're well. Things are good in, in the in the Perry household. 
Well, that's actually well, a bit personal. I couldn't give a toss how things are in the Perry household <laughs> in, in your world. Yes, well, my wife left me this morning, but other no one cares. <laughs> I'm so lonely, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you don't need to be lonely because that is the perfect way to link into Bunkered Podcast Live, which isn't the jingle but should be. Bunkered <laughs> Podcast Live. We're doing this in front of an actual audience. We're going to be giving Bryce's back updates. We're going to be talking about sheds, probably your grass as well. See, see this grass shed. Grass is good, by the way. Is grass. that going to cut into your grass? No, it's on the side of the house. Right, okay. Not on the side of the house, by the side of the house. It'd look pretty stupid if it was the side of the house. <laughs> so what have you done over there? That's just the shed, right? Don't worry about that. No, the grass is, uh, grass is pretty good. So if you come good. along to Drygate on October the 5th, you will get to hear and see... Bryce, give his grass and back updates. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take questions on my grass. I'll hand out advice. Not a problem. And if We're anyone trying there to sell night, tickets, guys. Yeah, and if anyone there that <laughs> night wants to give me personal advice, in fact, anyone that wants to give me personal advice on how to lay foundations for a shed, I'll get them in for free. Really? Yeah. We're trying to make money from this thing, Bryce. I know, but that person gets in for free. What if they all turn up? They're like, hey, I, can, I can do it. I can do it too. Me too. That's fine. <laughs> An army of people going from Drygate to Bryce's house. That's a great after party, that, yeah, isn't it? Brilliant. Anyway, no, we are doing Bunkered Podcast Live, Drygate in Glasgow. It's about 10 minutes walk from the city centre, right next to the Tents Brewery as well, which is very exciting. And it's presented by our good friends at Eden Mill, who have very kindly come on board to be part of this. We might even do a competition. Don't know. Give away some Eden Mill stuff. Absolutely. I think that would be the right thing to do, wouldn't it? Appropriate. It's almost like we planned it. So tickets are priced at £10 plus VAT, and you can get them now, bunkered.co.uk forward slash podcast live. Alex is coming up. He's bringing people from England up for it as well. That's highly exciting. You will get to see Alex, me, and Bryce in the flesh. Why wouldn't you want to be here? I should it? probably have a haircut, really. Yeah. At least you've got here to get it cut. Jeez. <laughs> That's true. Come on. Anyhow, right. Let's talk Solheim Cup, gentlemen. Because, yeah, taking place next week, it feels like, actually, it feels like both the Ryder Cup and Solheim Cup have kind of crept up on us this year a little bit. So Solheim Cup this year, another one next year. Which is weird. That's kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah, back, it's fine. It gets gets the separation between the two. I know people are making a big deal of back-to-back European match play events and everything, and that's great, but I kind of like having a little bit of variety in life. So, Fincha Cortezin, Europe going for... A first ever three-peat in their history. The US have done it a couple of times before. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of the teams in just uh, a couple of minutes. But first, Bryce, favourite Solheim Cup memory of yours? You've got tons of memories because you're old. But what's your favourite Solheim one? Probably controversies, but I think we should probably counter controversies later because there is a big thing about the Solheim that's just got a little bit more dig. It's a recurring theme controversy, isn't it? Which I really like. Yeah. But probably quite enjoyed Anna Norquist's Hole in One. Mm -hmm. Uh, That when was that? 2013. Yeah, Colorado, wasn't it? Yeah, she was playing with Caroline Headwell and they were against uh, Jessica Corda, Presso. He always had a wee bit of dig about her. Mm -hmm. I think they birdied 16 and then they went on. Norquist put a tee down, ball down on the 17th tee and canned it. For the match Walk off win And I, I don't think anyone realised at the time But that was the first ever hole in one In uh, the Slime Cup history Was it? Yeah it was pretty wild So that was pretty good 
But I have to say, I, that was pretty good memory. I think my favourite is actually the Sawing Cup in 2009. I'll tell you why. We went to the, you remember, we went to the pub after work to watch that. And I think that was the time when... 2009? That was that a was, bit of a... Oh, where was that? Uh, oh, I know where... Yeah, you're right. We did go to the pub. That, and yeah. I remember, I remember the everyone in the pub was watching that. Yeah. And that was a big deal. And I'm not saying that the Sawhim Cup wasn't a big deal before then, but it had big names. You know, Michelle Wee was a huge star in the world. She was a rookie. Creamer was in it. Christy Kerr, who <laughs> some people would say was a bit of a pain in the ass and she was in it it's some big names and i remember christina kim she was emotional she called mm. it like the greatest thing in the world and i just remember that i thought that was a bit of a turning point for women's golf because that that seemed like a huge deal and it seemed very very relevant at the time i'm mm. not suggesting the sawing cup before that wasn't relevant but it hadn't been going that long i think it wins the sawing cup in sort of 1990 1990 yeah. so it hadn't been going for a huge amount it didn't have the history that the Ryder Cup had. So I had to have a bit of a a seminal moment where things just got, sort of changed. And I think back then, that 2000, I remember watching that and everyone in the pub was watching it. Everyone was in, uh, engrossed in it. Was that Lock 27? Yes. Island, any chance? Ah, it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it was, a, it was a Friday afternoon, late Friday afternoon. And it, I just remember it having this vibe that a ladies event, I don't remember ever having before. Yeah. No, that's and it's kind of stayed that way. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, earliest and favourite memories of the Solheim for you? Yeah, well, I think Bryce has sort of taken my answer there. I think that probably was my earliest memory in terms of actually starting to watch it. As Bryce said before that, you know, how did people really feel about it? It was the early days. I, From a personal perspective, the following Solheim Cup at Colleen Castle, I was fortunate enough to be invited to play in the Pro-Am ahead of the Ladies' Irish Open, which was at the same venue. Uh, a couple of months before and I played with the uh, Spaniard the wonderful Spaniard Athahara Munoz there we go put some uh, accent on there very yeah. that was impressive <laughs> that is good this is the, listen, this listen is the, the kind of thing you can he's expect just to dry over there. he's just letting that dead hair hang it's like you know what that yeah, is just, just enjoy that for a moment stone cold pride it's almost like Jude Bellingham has glided past and slotted one into the bottom corner. <laughs> Alex just standing there, arms out like Megan Rapinoe. Oh, check it. This is exactly what you can expect at Drygate. Guys. <laughs> um, she, I, th- I think we not went to finish second that week actually, and she, and she made it onto the Ryder Cup team. She went two one one. I th- I, w- I want to say uh, only five or six of players out of the entire twenty four outscored her at that Solheim Cup, and it. It seems really stupid because I, I'd only known her for this round of golf. And then obviously we had the big dinner after the pro-am and it was all very nice. And we sat at the same table and stuff like that. But it sort of felt like a proud older brother moment. It was quite nice. Like when you're, I don't know about you, but when I'm watching a golf tournament, men's, women's, whatever. And it's, I feel like I've said this before, but when you're watching a golf tournament that's on a golf course that you've played, it just adds that sort Mm -hmm. of something extra because you sort of get more of a feel for the course and, more of a feel for where the players are going. Obviously, they're going in very different spots to what you and I are, but I don't know. There's <laughs> yeah, just something right about that. <laughs> like and obviously, water. you know, so, <laughs> so not only have I got that, I've got the fact that I'm watching a player who I have played around a golf with, and that sort of added an extra element to it. But yeah, 
similar to you guys, I think that was sort of around when I started really getting involved in it. And I think that's when it really started becoming a thing there, as Bryce said. Munoz got two and a half points that week out of four. So are you taking credit for that as well? No, absolutely not. No, I should hope not. I don't want people messaging me and giving me shit for that. <laughs> it's funny, we actually did win. I say we, and I'm going to continue to say we because we are European. Let's not pretend that you know we have to be impartial here. We won that one 15-13 at Colleen Castle. Alison Nicholas in, in charge of the team back then. I think my, my best memory of Solheim is probably going to the, the first one I ever attended, which I'm ashamed to say took me till 2017 to go to. And that was in Des Moines, Iowa. Treated like kings, stayed in the same hotel as all the players. Michelle Wee was cutting about in a Stars and Stripes onesie in the hotel lobby, which was completely bizarre. I, I, I turned up you know, pretty tired, pretty jet-lagged. I'm thinking, nah, surely I'm hallucinating. But no, she was wearing it the following night as well. Went to the after-party in the European team room, playing table tennis with a couple of the players. That was quite cool as well. Saw Rascal Flats on the Saturday night on the golf course. Rascal Flats. Yeah. Magic. Absolutely brilliant. Had two Bud Lights, one in each hand. Absolutely phenomenal. The Solheim does seem to create a lot of fun. And I think, in some ways, it's just a bit more fun than the Ryder Cup these days, Bryce? I don't know if it's more fun. I think it's maybe a slightly different environment, but I do think there is a definite edge between the players. I'm not convinced those players are as friendly as the Ryder Cup players. Mm -hmm. Don't think that friendly nature exists. I remember watching the Daniel Kang at the last one, miffed. Yeah. Pissed off. Massive. Now, I know we're talking about Rory crying and so on, but... There seems to be, now I could be way, well off here, but there seems to be quite a genuine dislike of each other with some players in the Sawheim, which I think is good. Yeah, absolutely. Like, not many to be pals. I always think that's like when you, like we watch the Premiership games and there's like Liverpool playing Man City and all the players are cuddling each other. They think that is... Talking. Covering their mouths to talk. So uh, no. I, don't, I don't want the cameras to see what I'm saying. I know, it's come really for dinner tonight. Yeah, it's <laughs> just absolute crap. I think that is nonsense. And Scottish football is not like that, which is why it's a superior product. Correct. But the Sawheim is, there's needle, there's dislike, there's a bit of something in the air. Mm-hmm. And I like that. It's not hatred. No. It's definitely not hatred, but it's not too many notches below that. As we'll go into in a minute, there's quite a lot of history. Oh, yes. Lots of history, lots of controversy. Alex, why is that? Why do you think there are so many instances of controversy in the match down the years? What, what's the reason? Well, I think... Bryce started it there, didn't he? You've got 24 players who actually care about this tournament. I think you can probably argue the case for not only are there too many friendships going on in the Ryder Cup and too many hugging and, you know, I was going to say hugging and kissing then, but that's not appropriate. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm the only person that hasn't sung now on this podcast. So I feel I'm feeling the pressure now for the next half an hour or so. Now there's a, there's a bit too much hugging a bit too. And and I think you can, I'm not going to name names, but I think you can probably accuse certain players, certainly in the last 20 years on the American side of perhaps not really caring about the Ryder Cup as much. I don't think that's the case with the Solheim Cup. It's funny you say that because for all that, there was still this weird thing, but it didn't feel like a hugely big deal, especially when the the players were showing up with face paint on and, you know, those henna stickers on their faces and dealy boppers in their hair. I mean, you look at some of the pictures of Paula Creamer from matches 
late noughties and it's just it, it felt like a, a bit of fun a bit of a celebration of golf as opposed to this we absolutely must batter you guys okay so what about when Rory McIlroy showed up and they were all wearing the the curly wigs like you, you could make the case for the Ryder Cup and that as well yeah but they came off didn't they that's the thing it's like the, the daily boppers I mean that's a one off on the opening morning the daily boppers though that was just it became a feature and I know that Julie Inkster when she became US captain was determined to get rid of it she got rid did. of that yeah, yeah she, she wasn't happy with yeah. it she didn't like that and she wanted to make it uh, it's like you know what we're we're here for one reason and one reason only and that's to beat them so it's kind of created that maybe that was a bit of a turning point for it i don't know i also think the the Ryder cup has not been from an american perspective the Ryder cup has not been as competitive for them as True. the Sawheim cup you know i think the i think the americans have, have only won the Ryder cup six times or something like that since 1985 or something ridiculous but the the americans for the Sawheim have been more it's a it's a closer match in the beginning uh, you maybe say it wasn't quite like that at the start, but you really—I'm not saying it's a flip a coin, but it's—it's it's a more competitive match the Sawheim, which I think lends to the history more each year. There's a more a desire not to lose, whereas I think we did think with the American Ryder Cup team that where are they that invested? I mean, we've talked about Tiger, and mm. I've said this before about Tiger. I think in the first 10, 15 years of Tiger's career, he was not interested in the Ryder Cup at all. Absolutely not interested, and all his teammates knew that. And they had turned up and they just had to go through the motions. And then you look at it like we've slagged off Jim Furyk to the end of our days. But we'll probably do it again next week. Yeah, of course we will. But that's <laughs> not that, that that has. I don't think that's happened to the Sawhim, which makes it a bit more of a competitive event. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So controversy. Then let's let's jump to that. Alex, your favourite controversial moment from down the years, because let's face it, there's been one or two. I, th I think I'm only going to go back as far as 2019. Uh, and this year's captain, Suzanne Pettersson. Now, this this might not be... It's not... The actual incident isn't controversial, but you you might remember her pick was hugely controversial, yeah. of course. She, she'd been out of the game for two years or so on maternity leave. She'd only played two or three events in the build-up, missing the cut in all of them. She'd fallen to something like 650 in the world. And I spoke to her afterwards, and she said that Katrina Matthew had essentially left it up to her to decide if she was ready or not. But this is Suzanne Pettersson. She was never going to say no, was she? No. Fast forward to Sunday at Glen Eagles, which was actually on my birthday. She's facing Marina Alex in the singles. She's standing over a seven or eight footer on 18 in the last match left on the golf course. The score is 13 and a half, 13 and a half. She drains it. She walks off. Right, that's me done. I'm retiring. Ultimate mic drop. Just, I mean, yeah, what I mean, that, that was the last match, last match, last hole, last green, last, last shot. shot. Yeah. Uh, absolutely incredible. It all came down to that. Unbelievable. So that is that your favourite controversial moment though, Alex? Well, I think it's the I think it's just the, the the bigger picture of it. I mean, obviously we can go into gimme gate and things yeah. like that. I feel feels a bit too obvious. I just wanted to think of something because everyone knows about that. Everyone knows about what happened last time with the whole picking the ball up before it fell in the hole. I just wanted to find something perhaps that <laughs> people didn't necessarily think of. Just trying to think about outside the box, guys. Come on. Yeah, that's fine. That's all right. Bryce? Well, I think I think we do have to mention Peterson because that will be brought up this this week and I think a lot of people she was criticised by a lot of our own European stalwarts yeah, Laura Davis fair, was furious about yeah, it not well, happy with the, the behaviour and it, it was messy when you look back at that the putt was hit in the TV shots you cannot see Peterson on the green but I actually think Charlie Hull was at fault as well because Charlie Hull turns her back and mm -hmm. walks off the green so there's no it seems like there's a suggestion that that's finished because you would finish you wouldn't turn your back on a player yet to finish a putt that's important mm -hmm. so 
I don't think that was handled very well at all. So this is the Gimme Gate thing that happened in 2015 in Germany. It was the, let me see, it was on the Sunday morning, but I think I'm right in saying that because of the weather, remember it was biblical rain there that year, that Saturday's play had to be carried over until Sunday morning. Europe, we were running away with it at that point as well. And Mm -hmm. it was Alison Lee playing for the US. She was a rookie. She'd been quite quick with the pickups, you know, take, picking up gimmies for most of the match, and eventually Peterson just seemed to snap. But it didn't. It didn't. It, it didn't look like a like a pure gimme. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there, I'm not saying she would have missed it, but there was a tiny, tiny bit of life in it. Mm-hmm. A tiny bit of life. It wasn't a gimme. Would you think, which is three inches from the hole? It wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there was a bit of golf left in that one. Definitely. Yeah, a, a tiny bit of golf, but it, it was just a, a, a mess. And, and I remember thinking, if if Peterson thought that she should have just hit that part. I, I still don't understand why she apologised. Because mm-hmm. if she thought she didn't do anything wrong, if, if anyone who was apolo- should apologise, it should have been Charlie Hull. So Charlie Hull subsequently said that when she turned her back, was looking to Peterson for guidance as the senior player in the team to say, is that good? So it's a, yeah, see, a strange I, one see, though still. I, I'm not buying that either. She literally walks walks away from the shot. She mm. doesn't walk and look at Peterson and say, are we given that? Or mm. she, It's if she's, I'm off the green. Yeah, I'm done. This, is, this hole's finished. It's not very, I think that's an example of like somebody not necessarily remembering that there are, there are certain etiquette rules that you need mm. to go through when it comes to actually, that's the joy of match play. Yeah. It's not It's not normal golf. It's different. And the um, circumstances were wild as well. That all happened on the 17th, the final match of that Saturday afternoon session on the Sunday morning. On 17th, they did that. Europe went one up. Hull birdies 18. They yeah. went two up and they're 10-6 going into the singles. Now, we've seen matches at 10-6 before in the Ryder Cup a couple of times noticeably. But it's not all dead and buried at that point. And what it did, that incident, was galvanise the Americans. Americans yeah, and they did. were furious. And then they came out and won it. They did. And you can see, is it Julie Inkster? Was the was she the US yeah. captain? She the called it bullshit. Yeah, that decision. she was furious when, or, you know, you can see Alison Lee crying. Charlie Hill's crying. Yeah. Uh, and and you see it on, and she's like, "Come on, let's move on. Let's let's forget about it. Everyone, everyone, move on." On the golf course, you know the way she, our captaincy then, I thought was quite impressive at that point. That was a someone being a leader. But the other thing is that the Solheim Cup things, players don't forget that. No. See next week, they will not have forgotten what Peterson did. They mm. will know about that. And the other one was uh, a pretty controversial one, which I have to say I wasn't actually that aware of until um, I was doing some 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 research. But whoa, whoa, I can't whoa. believe I missed you this. You do research for this. Shut thing. it. I thought you just winged it. Just honestly, that's how good it sounds, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. It's all hard work. Sorenstam in '95. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Where she just the chip in. She thing. she chips in, and the Americans stood and watched her go through her pre-shot routine and play the shot. And when she chips in, they go up to the referee and say she played out a turn. And I, I was watching watching that the other day, and Ewan Murray, Sky Sports, absolutely slaughters the Americans and even shames the ref. Yes. And says this is absolutely disgraceful. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. I, I do like so it. This when, was 2000 at Loch Lomond, wasn't it? It is 2000, yeah. And uh, if you look at some of the comments that, that you and Murray said in the past, that was pretty savage. Remember when Tiger Woods spat on the green and he said mm. that was one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. I do like it when you and Murray loses his shit. Gets riled by Because And he yeah. was furious at that. And he's like, even slating the ref mm-hmm. for it, I thought was a 
delicious. But those things, uh, they are, uh, for some reason, they're a bit more, there's more of them in the Sawheim Cup, considering the Sawheim Cup's not been going as long as the as the Ryder Cup. There seems to be more, and the, and the, the conflict seems to be dirtier and angrier. It's just fantastic. Absolutely it's love brilliant. it. brilliant. And no doubt there'll be something in Spain as well next week. Hopefully. Let's hope. So let's look at both teams, gents, if you don't mind. We'll start with the captains. Before we get to either of them, though, Laura Davies, she's going to be an assistant again for what feels like the, oh God, I don't know, the hundredth, millionth time. Bryce, Laura Davies, with everything she's done in the match, the record she's got, the fact that she's a stone-cold legend doesn't seem up for being captain. She doesn't like the... What I do find strange about this, she doesn't like the, the spotlight. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like public speaking. I find that quite strange considering she's quite a good commentator on Sky. Mm-hmm. She'll go on the TV on Sky when they do the little bits in the side camera and they'll have a bit of presentation and course in the background. She'll speak quite candidly about the game and so on and so forth but she doesn't want to take that next step which is leadership on a stage and having to do a speech. Now you spoke to Luke Donald for the latest issue about you know his speech and how he's how he's going about it and we've heard a few people, a few captains we've spoken to in the past that said you know they spoke to Sam Torrance about how to deliver your speech and what you should be saying and, and, and I think quite a few captains even the Ryder Cup have said that they, there's a wee bit of nervousness about that because you are broad. You're, you're taking someone completely out of their comfort zone. I think with something like that is you're, you're not addressing your team. You're, mm. you're talking to a worldwide audience on TV when some pop singer's going to come out in 10 minutes and start jiving. <laughs> <laughs> and you, and you Tom Grennan this year, yeah, by Tom, the way, he is. At the Ryder Cup. It's not exactly Van Halen. But then you don't really have a say in that and you've yeah. got to stand there. And I think... For Laura Davies, I think that is something that makes her hugely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But it is a huge loss to the European side that she doesn't take that job because she's got an unbelievable pedigree, huge amount of respect. Presence. Presence. She doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. I quite admire that because it would be the easiest thing in the world to do it. You know what I mean? Despite the the fact that she... It's maybe a bit more introverted and isn't necessarily, that's not her personality to do I mean, it. so is but Katrina. it's quite easy to do it and say, yeah, just give me the attention and the money. Yeah, please. I mean, Kat- Katrina's a quiet person. Yeah. You know, she's not the she's not an extrovert by any means, but, you know, she did quite a good job. I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Alex? Laura has also come out and said that she's never actually been asked. Now, whether that's true or yeah. not, but They'll I think it. that... I, it, yeah, it's safe to say that the uh, powers that be don't want to be turned down, do they? So yeah. They're probably just avoiding that particular problem. And let's face it, the captain that, that Europe's got this year isn't exactly a, a poor stand-in, a poor deputy for, for Laura Davies. I mean, Suzanne Peterson. And next think, year, of course. And next year, correct. When you think of Solheim Cup stars, it's Davies, and then I would say Matthew Sordenstam Peterson. They are the big four in Europe. Alex, your thoughts on Suzanne, what she's going to bring to the role? She sort of feels like the Ian Porter of the European Solheim <laughs> Cup team, doesn't she? She has that, although she's won majors. she had That was an unnecessary dig. Sorry, Ian, if you're listening. She has that sort of fire and passion about this tournament that we all love. Look, I spoke about what she did at 2019 before, which was just, might be the coolest thing any golfer has ever done, to yeah. be honest with you. Mm. I'm, yeah. I'm, I really hope I'm not proved wrong on this, but... I don't think there's anyone more suited to this captaincy. You touched on it there, Michael. She was always going to be a captain at some point. There's there's not many, I don't think there's many players, Solheim or Ryder Cup, that you can say, uh, you can look at them and go, they are 
captains in the making, captains elect, if you will. She has a certain air about her. It feels like from reading Michael's interview in, in the latest issue of Bunker that I think we can expect something a little bit different to what we had from Katrina Matthew. She said that Matthew was very, you know, as we touched on there, she's very quiet. She's very reserved. She pre- she preferred to talk. I think that we can expect Pettersson to go into that team room and properly fire them up. I, I feel like there might be a bit more of a Seviesque approach from her. Mm. Did you get that feeling from talking to her? A little bit, yeah. I mean, she's maybe not the sort of outwardly extroverted type of personality that Seve was. And I certainly don't think she's going to be jumping in a buggy telling players how to necessarily hit shots, but she'll be involved and I think she'll put that passion into them. I don't necessarily think there's a huge amount of them in there though that need that passion imbued, but she'll she'll make sure that if there is any shred of doubt that they do have it. She exudes an air of confidence. Which mm-hmm. I think, which players will feed off. You know, she, it's like Alex says, when she walks in a room, you, you know, know she's there. She's there and mm-hmm. she, she's very, very confident. Even when she was announcing her picks on Sky, I thought she looked very, very confident in the way she was dealing with the questions, the way she was announcing the players. There's just, uh, she's got full understanding of the path that she wants to go down and that will feed off to her team. So I think she'll be a brilliant captain. So we'll keep on going through the, the European team then, if that's all right. We'll come back to the Americans and do all this again. The player that the, the European player that the Americans should probably be fearing the most, Alex, you look at those 12 players that Europe have got, who is the the standout threat, do you think, on paper at least? Uh, Charlie Hull for me, without a doubt. Box office, great to watch. I, what I love about Charlie is she's either got a huge smile on her face and she seems to really be enjoying herself or she looks like she's about to murder the person that comes near her next. <laughs> There's just something. She's got that perfect combination of really likable but with that fierce edge that, uh, well, you know, we've, we've talked about it already in the last 20 minutes or so. You need that in this tournament. So, you know, I've said this before. She, she recognised that she had some problems earlier in the year. She stepped away from the game. She concentrated on you know getting herself back into a good mental place she came back and she had two top twos in the majors she had another couple of top two or three finishes on the lpga i think Pettersson has recognized her as the main threat to the americans she's she's very good friends with emily Pettersson, as we've seen on social media mm-hmm. they're always bantering back and forth on instagram i wonder if Pettersson and the camp- captaincy team went to charlie hull and said look you're our main person for the Solheim Cup, you're our, I don't want to say secret weapon, she's not a secret weapon by any chance, but who do you want to play with at the Solheim Cup? And I think she said Emily Pedersen, and I think those two are going to be, a re- uh, if those two don't play together next week, I'll be absolutely gobsmacked, but yeah. I think though, though that's the pairing that's going to go after the Americans, that's the pairing that the Americans are going to feel the most. Yeah, I don't think they know a lot about Pedersen either, which will you know put the fear up them, hopefully. Bryce, Charlie for you? Yeah, you need an on-course leader and that's what she's become. I think she's waiting for a big moment this year. I think she's almost mm. had it. She's been so good. is in great form. She's got a bit of experience. She's, I think this is her third Solheim mm-hmm. as well. Yep. So, yeah, definitely. Oh, that, that's what the, the Americans will be pinpointing her as one. But, you know, th- there is quite a lot of quality throughout that European side, but Hull is the, she's the poster girl for it. 100%. Who's the European dark horse then? Maybe a player that is flying just a little bit under the radar. I don't think any of them are flying under the radar. I mean, you could argue Pedersen for, that, for the reason I just said, but the player I'm most 
excited to watch is is Lynn Grant. Five yeah. LET wins since the start of 2022, including becoming the first woman to win the Scandinavian Mixed. She's really made a name for herself on the LPGA. She's into the top 15, 16 in the world. She has plenty of team and match play experience under her belt. She won the Swedish Match Play Championship as an amateur. Mm. I mean, she, this girl has got match play form. Uh, if I'm Stacey Lewis, Lynn Grant, Charlie Hull, and Leona Maguire are the three names I'm pulling out of that European team and saying, right, we need to stop these if we're going to win. See, for me, Leona's the one that's flying under the radar, if anybody is, because she had so much buzz about her in 2021 you know I think it was obviously it was her first match she played phenomenally well there was a huge amount of buzz afterwards and it kind of had tailed off it came back a little bit this year when she had a chance was it at the the women's PGA that she she didn't see through to the end but it's funny it feels like a lot of people are talking about Charlie Hull we're certainly talking about Peterson we're talking about her picks but Leona seems to be almost forgotten. And mm. I just think, surely, I hope America, for their sake, haven't forgotten about yeah, her because I, she's absolutely Yeah, she's phenomenal. class. I, I, I wouldn't I potentially say she's not forgotten. Maybe flying under the radar, maybe because of her form, maybe. Mm. But no, I think uh, she'll, she'll turn up. The player with the most to prove, Bryce, who do you reckon that is? Unfortunately, Charlie Hull. I think Charlie Hull's had a great year. I think it would be a disappointing end if she, if she not flops at the Sawheim. You know, I, I think she's got a lot to. I'm not saying she's got a lot to prove in that sense, but it would be a bit of a disappointing end to the year if she went to Sawheim and didn't perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I think she would like to finish on a high, and as I said earlier, I think she's got like oh, it's almost like you're waiting for a big moment from Charlie Hull this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this could be it, Alex. Well, I think you can make a case for Leona Maguire. She had four and a half points from five on debut. She was unbeaten. She was undoubtedly the player of the tournament. She's established herself on the LPGA, as we were just saying there. She's flirted with the top 10 in the world. Now she has to go to Spain and not only do it without Mel Reid by her side, because mm-hmm. you know, Mel Reid was a big part of her success in the last Solheim Cup. She has to prove that it wasn't a fluke. And I think for me, that's... And we talked about this with Tommy Fleetwood, didn't we? Do it Doing it without Molinari by, himself, by his side. I think Maguire has to go and do something similar. So I, I think it's a big Solheim Cup for Maguire. Yeah, I would agree. And I also think... There's a, a case to be made for Caroline Headwell being the, the one that's got a bit of faith to repay. I don't know if it's a point to prove, but sure. certainly the faith of Suzanne yeah. Peterson giving her a pick. I mean, she's she's played Solheim five times. This will be number six. She obviously went five zero zero a few years back, but her form hasn't been amazing. I think she's there for the experience that she brings to what could have been a relatively inexperienced team. So, yeah, it's almost like she now needs to justify getting the pick. But... Mm. We'll, we'll see. If anyone's going to do it, it's probably Caroline. Let's do this for the Americans then. Bryce, your thoughts on Stacey Lewis as captain. Like Peterson, she's going to do it again next year. She's also the youngest ever American captain. Are you surprised that she's got the gig so soon? I'm surprised she's got the gig so soon, and I'm surprised she's been allowed to select those vice captains. She's only got one vice captain that's ever been a vice captain before and they've only ever done it once. That's mm-hmm. Angela. I'm going to stick my neck out. I think that's a mistake. I think that's a big risk. Yes, she's a great player, but she's 38 years old, is she, Stacey Lewis? Yeah. I, I think that is... You, you put all the experience of somebody like Inkster into that role, there's a lot that goes into that and I'm not saying that Stacey Lewis isn't doing that, but she's only 38 years old and she's not got, she's not surrounded by people who have done that job before with any great amount. Mm-hmm. I think that potentially could be a mistake. Would you agree with that, Alex? I mean, to be honest, when she got the gig, I was slightly surprised. I'd, 
I'd almost had odds on it'd be somebody like Christy Kerr, for example. But mm-hmm. you surprised that Stacey's got the gig so soon? Yeah, I am. I think Bryce has taken the words right out of my mouth. Uh, I, I think if I'm American, my biggest concern is her poor Solheim Cup record as well. I think mm-hmm. is, is, is the only thing I had here that on my notes that, that Bryce didn't say there. She's 5'10-1", five and a half points from 16. Now, on the flip side, you could say, well, okay, she's played her Solheim Cups in the last 10 years in a period which Europe have been on top. But Bryce is absolutely right. that You look at her vice-captain, why is she not just surrounding herself with That's experienced it. That's it. or even former captains? It's, it's an absurd decision, and I think that really is going to cost the Americans. I'm absolutely delighted, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> but as when, when you look at the European side, the European Ryder Cup team had success when the European Tour, or whatever you want to call it, got behind it and said how do we make this work for us? There was vice captains that traded for captains and then they became vice captains and guys who were captains, you know, went into a vice captain role like eight years later. Mm-hmm. You know, remember at, at, at Glen Eagles, you had Sam Torrance turn up and things like that. There's just a, the backroom team is important. The Americans do not have that. That is a completely fresh side. There's also rookies in that side that are very young. Who don't I, have experience in the room to look at. Yeah. And I, I think you need someone that says, by the way, this is how it works. Yeah. It's also how you speak to players, how you address the room. We learned this from, I'm not having a go at Nick Faldo here, but we learned that from Faldo, that his backroom team perhaps wasn't what it should have been. And he did, He had no one really to lean on. And the way he spoke to players, it wasn't what the players had been used to. And it was a mess. There's no continuity. No. Yeah, exactly. I Off think the that back w- of two wins. Yeah. I guess from the Americans' point of view in the Solheim Cup this time around, why not try something completely different? Because they've just lost the last two. Maybe all the experience that's been in the room previously isn't actually worth as much as we, we are we're saying it's worth. I, I mean, I'm not making that point and saying that's what I believe. It's a devil's advocate on my part. And Stacey's sitting in the fence. Wee bit, wee bit. But <laughs> Stacey Lewis's record as well, does it matter that she's not been a, a, that she hasn't played her best stuff in the Solheim Cup? Nick Faldo played phenomenally in the Ryder Cup. He's a stone-cold legend and couldn't captain. So do, does, do great players automatically equal great captains and vice versa? No, I mean, Harrington's record in the Ryder Cup was... You know, decent, and I thought he was a poor captain. Luke Donald's record in the Ryder Cup is pretty good. We'll find out in a couple mm. of weeks whether that works. I'm not sure. I think you make a good point. It's not it doesn't necessarily fit, work that way. My point is that I'm not really looking at her record in the Solheim Cup. I'm looking as soon as she walks in that room and how she speaks to the players. That's a job. You need to get that right. The team is important. Players have said that. And you, you look at, you remember Mickelson when he sat at Glen Eagles, we were in that room when it happened and he just savaged Tom Watson. That's because Tom Watson changed things mm-hmm. and didn't interact with the players. Hal Sutton didn't interact with Mickelson and Woods properly to make that big shift. He didn't deal with it very well, didn't talk to them about it, didn't put an arm around them and say, how do you think, what do you think about this? He just said, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. There's a way you need to talk to players and you learn that. That's learned behaviour yeah. from previous it's, captains. It's how Stacey Lewis takes command of the yeah. US environment. That's important. How important yeah. and how successful they potentially are. So we'll look at our... our Sorry, who is, go- who is going to be Stacey Lewis's DJ Spoonie? That's the big question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out next week, but mm. it could potentially be... Uh, who. Who could it be? We should have researched uh, American Z-list pop stars slash it. soap actors. Pitbull. Why not? He's the first name that comes go, to Pitbull. mind. Pitbull's, Pitbull. Pitbull's 
a bit more famous than. I mean, he's called Mister Worldwide. Yeah, you know, he's quite. I mean, he's quite. What does he do now? Oh, he's just traveling the world on boats and you know, shirt half open, singing back with name at the start of songs, wearing a skin tight suit that's all sweaty. Yes, yes, exactly that. Oh, now going down a pitbull rabbit hole. Let's circle back out. The players in the US team. Sorry about pitbull rabbit hole. That's fine. That's pitbull rabbit hole. Jesus. Bryce, who is the player on the US side that Europe should be fearing the most? Uh, definitely, probably someone like Rose Zhang. I think that's going to be pretty exciting. She's young. She's got no experience straight in. And a winner. Yeah. She's going to love that Soham Cup, no matter what happens. And I think when you've got somebody like that on your side, she just seems to be a massive talent. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I actually can't wait to watch her in that environment because for a lot of people, it'll be the first time they've seen Rosang. Uh, same with the uh, same, almost the exact same situation with Ludwig Ubru and the that's European it. side. Nailed it. I know. I think that's going to be exciting. But that is a strong US side. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised to see Rose in the very first pairing on the opening morning. Alex, do you agree with that? Or is there somebody else that, that catches the eye for you? Well, there is a, there's a hint of Leona Maguire in 2021 about Rosang, isn't there? She, yeah. She's got absolutely nothing to lose and nothing to prove. She can go and play freely and that's why she scares me the most. But I am going to pick the player whose record this season reads... Missed cut, missed cut, tied 31, missed cut, tied 47, missed cut, missed cut, missed cut, missed cut, missed cut, missed cut tied 19. I mean, we're coming to the point is. to prove in a minute. I mean, jeez, who, who's, <laughs> who's that? That is Lexi Thompson. Ah. Forget her record on the PJ. She's She is in miserable form. There's no doubt about that. But mm-hmm. forget that. She's she's a match play queen. I remember looking up this years ago, and I, I just reminded myself, I had a little Wikipedia deep dive, but part of the Junior Ryder Cup team that won 22-2, part of the Junior Solheim Cup team that won by seven, four and a half points from five in her Curtis Cup appearance, nine and a half points from 19 at the Solheim Cup in a period, as I mentioned before, where Europe have largely been dominating. We've talked and talked and talked about Justin Thomas's horrific form and him getting in that team. But if anyone needed this Solheim Cup to come along, it's Lexi. She, there's something about her. She loves the atmosphere. She loves this tournament. She loves being, She, I think she cuts quite a lonely figure on tour. I've noticed this over the years. But you know, you get her in that team arena and it seems to reignite something in her. There, there's no one in that 24 that needed this Solheim Cup to come along more than Ooh, she needed don't it right know. now. Don't know. I mean, I think, yes, you make a very good case. But for me, it's Danielle Kang for the exact same reasons. I think she's the one to fear and she's also the one who's got a bit of a point to prove and needs this Solheim Cup. She is... I mean, this is her fourth one. She's qualified, obviously, off the US Solheim Cup points list, which is impressive considering she's had a pretty bang average year, only three top tens, but we know there's mitigating circumstances for that with the, the health battles that she's yeah. had to face. So it's, it's bottom line, it's great to see her in the team, first and foremost. Daniel Kang brings it at the Solheim. I saw it on her debut in uh, Iowa in 2017. You talk about, you know, the Peterson being a bit of a poulter type figure. Daniel Kang's almost the, the modern day Patrick Reed in the Solheim Cup team price, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's got a bit of uh, needle about her. Um, and as I said last time, I remember watching her trudge off when she lost one of her matches. She was fucking furious. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's fierce, I yeah. would say, Danielle Kang. I think she's going to bring it in a, a big, big way. Is there anybody on the US side that's flying under the radar here, Alex, do you think? I don't know if you can say this person's flying under the radar because she's won two majors this year, but it's Lilia Vu. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like, even though she's won two majors this year, it sort of feels like she's a bit of an un- unknown quantity. But 
maybe on this side of the pond. I don't know what the, the feeling is over in America about her. She's obviously a superstar. She moved to world number one. You know, those, those stats don't lie. And, she, you know, she loves team events. If you look at her history, she, and, and she was part of that incredible Curtis Cup team in 2018 that won 17-3. So she obviously loves team events like you can't say enough about her year this year can you like the season Mm. she's had she's just been absolutely unbelievable you don't win two majors by fluke I think she is absolutely by far and away the Americans most dangerous player going into the Solheim Cup and yet I think people on this side of the Atlantic are are, are perhaps overlooking because of the Lexis and the household names yeah she's not a household name I think I I would agree with that she's not a household name and she she's one of the ones that you'll fear her she's probably got a lot to prove over this this side of the Atlantic because she isn't she isn't a big star like a Nelly Corder or a Lexi um, I know Michelle Wee's not playing anymore, but she's not that household name. But she's sort of put her stamp on the LPGA in the women's game this year. She, I mean, she went to world number one. I'm sure that not a lot of Europeans on this side will really be, a, I'm not saying they're not aware of it, but they'll probably be thinking, what, are, what can we expect here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For me, it's Ali Ewing, the one that flies under the radar, because she's captain's pick, third match. It's not got a great Solheim Cup record, to be fair. 2-5-1. But... For me, she's a player that will play with absolutely anybody. She's a great partner for anybody else in that US side. So that brings us to the player with the biggest point to prove. For all the reasons Alex has stated, I'm I'm choosing Lexi Thompson. I think she has uh yeah, a little bit I guess a little bit of faith to repay as well. Bryce, who stands out for you? <laughs> Lexi Thompson. She's yeah. had a shocking year. I think at her high, she was sixth. She's dropped to 26th in the world rankings. How much has she earned in 2023? Good question. I don't know. 55000 Is that right? I mean, I looked at She's missed a ton of cuts. Mm-hmm. She's not played well. I mean, she's... Also, I don't really understand her thinking. You know, she skipped a major, which she's done before. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't... I don't get that. She's had a, a terrible year. There's just something about Lexi that... I think throwing her under this, at the form that she's in and having her in this side is tricky. I don't think she will sit in any match that, I'm not saying no match means something, but there's not a chance in hell that she'll be in the ninth or 10th singles match out there. I don't think she'll be there. I think she looks as though she's a bit vulnerable. So you're thinking middle of the order, maybe? Absolutely, like five yeah. Or, six. or third or fourth out or something. I do, mm-hmm. do think she looks a bit susceptible to total failure. <laughs> I'm sorry, but she's, <laughs> oh, been, she's been shocking this year. Really, really poor. Yeah, I mean, Alex, I think Bryce and I have both made the case there for, for Lexi being the one with the biggest point to prove... Given that you think that she's the the player that should be feared most, I'm, I'm guessing that you aren't picking her for this. No, she she was my answer for this as well for all of the reasons that I laid out. Look, I the American. The point is, the Americans have lost the last two Solheim Cups. I think you could pluck any one of those twelve and tell them why they've got a point to prove in this Solheim Cup this year. The other name I wrote down was the the name you mentioned, Ali Ewing. She got a pick and she's got a poor Solheim Cup record. And Mm. I think anyone that gets a pick with a poor record, whether it's Solheim, Ryder, Curtis Cup, whatever, you need to go out there and prove that you have can justify that pick, so that that will be really interesting. But yeah, I, I can't add anything, Lexi Thompson, for the for the reasons aforementioned. I hope Lexi's not listening. I genuinely hope she's not. Anyway, look, let's go score predictions then. Out of twenty eight, as we know, Alex coming to you first. Who's going to win? What's the score going to be? 
I think the dynamic of the European team is a home match. They're going for that three-peat, as we've already mentioned, that's never been done before. The perfect captain, in my mind. I think that Europe are going to edge it. I think this, exactly my, my feelings are exactly the same about the Ryder Cup. I think this is a, a two-point match. So that's where I'm going to stick, I think. Thank you. Bryce? Yeah, a point, point or two points. I think it'll be tight, but I do think the Europeans will have it. Uh, I think the, the Americans have made a mistake with their background team. Not necessarily made a mistake with a captain, but I think they made a mistake. The captains made a mistake by not bringing in some serious experience and tonnage of players that have been there and done it. Yep. Uh, of captains, I should say, that have been there and done it. I've just, It's a very weird thing to do. So I think Europe by a point or two. And I'm exactly the same. Europe by a point or two for the same reasons. It would be very, very tough for Suzanne Peterson's career to end on a losing captaincy. I know she'll get another shot next year. That's already decided, but I actually fancy her to, to win this year and next. She comes alive in this, even as a captain. So, yep, Europe by a point or two for me as well. So, what do you know? A clean sweep for Europe at the Bunkered podcast. Fancy that. Right, so, look, I need to throw to the breaks. We've got other stuff to discuss in part two. Please do not go anywhere. All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in performance from Callaway. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway, Michael, Bryce and Alex here. Very excited about the Solheim Cup. So please do remember to go to the Bunkered website all next week for all the latest news, reaction, info about the Solheim because uh, yeah, we'll be covering it. Ryder Cup the following week and it would be remiss of us not to go over a, a couple of the talking points that have emerged over the last few days, the last week or so, as the, the match at Marco Simone gets ever closer. I'm going to come to you first, Alex, in this one. Shane Lowry playing in the BMW PGA Championship this week at Wentworth mounted a pretty, pretty strong defence of his pick, obviously chosen by, by Luke Donald to play for Europe and a little bit of pedal clutching and teeth gnashing should he be there he's not been playing very well but Shane came out and said absolutely I should be there so ahead of his title defense this week he said my results have not been amazing this year but I feel if you purely go down to statistics and go down to the 12 best players in Europe I'm one of them and I feel like I deserve my place on the team he paused a minute and then said I need to be careful here it didn't sit very well with me to be honest I'm a good player not to be afraid of anyone. I think I'll be good for the rookies. I'll be good for team morale. And in the team room, I'll be passionate. I'll show my emotions, blah, 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 blah. Is Shane Lowry right? Is he one of the 12 best players in Europe right now, Alex? Well, yes, of course he is. That that press conference there where he said those quotes, I mean, that pause and a smile and he sort of said, oh, I need to be really careful here because he's obviously got some very strong views about this. And rightly so. He is... Obviously an incredible player. He went out the week after the picks and finished tied third, was it, at the Irish? Mm -hmm. 
And he's talking there about his numbers. So if you want to go down a statistic route, then yes, of course he is. He, if Without deep diving into it, you could just look at the Ryder Cup standings where he was eighth in the world points list and 11th in the European points list. In the world rankings, only seven Europeans are above him. Now, for me, I think that, that the, the, the bit there where he talked about being an important team room player I think that really is. And and Luke Donald said it himself when he was going through those motions and explaining why he picked each player. He said that Lowry has the experience. He's a big game player, which he is. And, you know, he is someone that's really good to have around the team room. I would have had him in the team. I think it, I think it's right to question his pick. I think the people that have had concerns about his form absolutely should have had concerns about his form. But of course he is one. I think Luke Donald might've said to him at the start of the year, Shane Lowry really wants to play in the Ryder Cup. He's he he said, you know, you know, you, you want to go into these things, and the way he thinks about it is, you never know when it's going to be your last Ryder Cup. He said that earlier this week, and that's the way he feels about it, and 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 that is absolutely the way you should think about it. And I think that Luke Donald said to him at the start of the year, like basically, don't mess it up, and you're in the Ryder Cup mm. because I need you there. I know that I'm going to have a, you know, we talk about this transitional period, blah, blah, blah. But Luke Donald knew at the start of the year that he was going to have a lot of rookies, a lot of young players, a lot of young talent. He yeah. knew that he needed Shane Lowry in that team room. And I think he said to him, January, February time in in the Middle East swing, I need you playing in the Ryder Cup. You're going to be in, just don't mess it up. Bryce, do and you have I, any, I think, sorry, Alex, Bryce, do you have any fear over Shane no, Lowry? I, and to be fair, I don't even think anyone was really debating Shane Lowry in that team. I don't, I don't remember any fierce debate about, you know, maybe he shouldn't be there. And yeah, he's had a wee bit of an iffy form, but there's absolutely no doubt. I mean, he, he's even saying, you know, I'm, I'm one of the top 12 players in Europe. He's probably one of the top five players in Europe. There's absolutely mm-hmm. no doubt he was getting a pick. I don't see the debate. I actually thought that was a, a quite a clever question to create a bit of a story. But for me, there is no story. He is one of our best players. He was sensational in the last Ryder Cup, despite the result. In a losing team. Yeah. Yes, despite the result. He was really good. As a rookie. He's got passion. He's got a game, you know, he, he hits a lot of greens. That's what you'll, you'll need in a Ryder Cup. You know, he's not scared. He, he's got, uh, he's a good putter. I actually thought it was a bit of nothing. And I quite liked the fact that he stood there and he stood up and said, yes, I am. I think that shows pure and absolute confidence. And that's what you need. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, yes, his form hasn't been great, but what a couple of weeks between getting picked in the Ryder Cup to actually try and find some form. But you've got the Irish Open on home soil and then you're going into Wentworth as a defending champion. I mean, if you can't pick up good vibes last week and this to take to, to take to Rome, then what can he do? Other thing to notice, I don't know if you guys spotted this, but Stuart Sink, one of the American vice captains. So both sides did a bit of a, a recce in Rome earlier in the week, over the weekend. And the Americans got there first, obviously standing there in their shorts, with the exception of Ricky Fowler, who clearly didn't get the memo there in his, in his briefs. But they're all standing there in their shorts. Stuart Sink's calves? What the hell is going on there? <laughs> Did you see them, Alex? They're absolutely huge. Well, whatever, whatever takes to focus off that bloody tan line on his head. I think. <laughs> he said it himself. He's like, you know what? I've been known as the tan guy. Maybe now I'll be known as the calves oh, guy. He? Yeah, brilliant. Phil Mickelson's probably sitting at home right now, going, but, but, but that was but, me. But, 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 calves like Adonis. Nah, nah, nah. Stuart Sink, he has the title now. Just while we're on that. I have been beating the drum about players being able to wear shorts on the PGA European Tour. But then you see them do these photos. Ricky Fowler's not wearing shorts because he knows that everyone looks horrific in golf shorts. That's why. There's exactly. just no other reason for it. Did you see the European picture? Victor Hovland is one of the coolest people in the world. He looked like a zookeeper on the end there. Like, what? 
<laughs> stop let stop letting other people dress you to play golf. It's just ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. it's not great. Bryce, I'm going to throw this one your way because I know that you you have a little not little, massive bee in your bonnet about these guys. <laughs> they may have come up in previous episodes of the Bunker podcast. As I mentioned at the start, there's 156 of them. Go and listen to them. But the Ryder Cup Guardians. Ah, yes. so do you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, a wee bit. You're not a big fan of them either. Not huge. I have, I've written in the past about my, my feelings about them. I will say this, as I get older, I start to soften my age. And there was a video that went out earlier in the week. That's why we're talking about it. There was this video that was posted on the Ryder Cup Twitter account interviewing the guys. So the Ryder Cup guardians, those of you that don't know, they're the ones that stand the front row of the grandstand on the first tee, singing their songs about Justin Rose and to the tune of Gold by Spandau Valley. Awful. And they wear the, the blue and yellow waistcoat shirts, plus fours, etc. They They stand out and absolute mile and i've written in the past on the bunker website I actually wrote an open letter the first ever open letter i ever wrote was to them asking them to just stop it you had your fun and now it's over please stop but as i say as i get older i'm just like what's the point just go and do it lads you're going out anyway so there's no point me getting upset but bryce i know that they do irk you just a little bit they do because they spoil the occasion I'm nothing against these guys. I'm sure they are nice guys. You watch the video, they all seem like decent blokes. Mm -hmm. I've got nothing like nothing against that. But I don't want them in the first tee. I don't want them taking over the songs. It's not what the first tee was about. They have commandeered that spot for themselves, not for anyone else. And that's not what it's for. You know, Glen Eagles was ruined by it. Yeah, it, it was. wasn't the same. That that first tee, Glen Eagles, was not that great. Um, it was France, um, France and Glen Eagles yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, because absolutely. And, and they, they, actually, they actually tried that at the Sawheim Cup as well. There was some sort of, like, mm -hmm. they had a DJ at the Sawheim Cup at, at, at Glen Eagles and that was equally as bad. But they're not, I get it at the start, it was quite funny these guys were there, but then everyone's gone quiet to listen to them sing about. And there's no atmosphere. It's crap. It's yeah. not what it's for. And the funny thing for me was that the organisers got really just so excited by them. It's like, guys, You've put in 800 seats, 1,000 seats, whatever it is, at the first tee. And there's only eight people making any noise. How can you be enjoying that? Uh, you built all those seats for a reason. Mm. I know. For silence, there's meant to be an atmosphere. You get an atmosphere when everyone's involved. Not when eight guys are singing about, you know, Tyrrell Hatton. And, and it's just, it's crap. Mm -hmm. I've got nothing against those guys. No. I'm not I'm not saying, oh, get rid of them and, and, you know. But I would like it if they kind of just involved other people contributed to the atmosphere rather yeah. than to use your word that's spot on rather than try to commandeer yeah. the, the, the occasion. Alex, I mean, I, I watched that video of them earlier this week where they're getting interviewed and you hear their backstory. I'm sure you did too, but that the thing for me that was a bit of a surprise was I guess in my head I'd maybe villainised them a little bit. I was expecting <laughs> them to be quite sort of stockbrokery and arrogant and well, well, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, yeah, yeah. They're not. They're as Bryce says, there's they actually come across like really nice guys. And I love how much they love the Ryder Cup. Imagine everybody oh. loved the Ryder Cup as much as they did. It would be even but, greater but, than it already is. But everyone does. Do they though? Yeah. That's everyone does. The right the the first tee was sensational before that happened first tee at medina amazing and it wasn't even as big as it is mm, now yeah and it was yep. better it was a better first tee 
no one paying the amount of money they're paying and going through the lengths they have to go to to get to a Ryder Cup can be accused of not loving the Ryder Cup. I, well, I, look, we, we had this conversation earlier in the week and it was, I was absolutely gobsmacked that you you thought of them as kind of like almost like football hooligans, didn't you? Which I found really, yeah, like, really well, like, like rugby hooligans, probably. I rugby thought of them as okay, quite so posh, posh hooligans. You know, basically. earning yeah. two oh, no, 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 grand no, 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 a week no, no, no. in Canadian Red Chino hooligans. Cricket hooligans. Cricket hooligans. What would that look like? They're chucking their prawn sandwiches at the umpire and things like that. Actually, yes, you're yes. bang on. The Barmy Army, the, the group that follows England cricket team everywhere. And I have visions of them being guys with jumpers tied around their shoulders. And, yeah, they I'm, are red I'm chinos. Go, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and close pickers. a deal on Monday morning once yeah. they've got done they live, they live in thatched houses. <laughs> in Surrey. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. that's what I thought these yeah. guys were, but they are actually quite... Sweet and nice. Sweet? Yeah. Sweet okay. and nice natured. So, Alex, are we are we completely off base on this, Bryce and I? Have we got it all wrong? Is, is there a place no, for I, the Guardians? There's, there's a place for them without them having to spoil the atmosphere, as you've already said. I'm now terrified that I'm going to, at some point, just be wandering around Marco Simone. I'm going to see you in the middle of them with their in their in their getup. Well, they wear those outfits, don't they? If I see you wearing that, Jesus Christ! If I or, see you wearing that, or you're going to see Michael put up against a corporate hospitality <laughs> wall. Listen, mate, we're only here at G on the European side. Leave us alone. <laughs> Leave us alone. Michael, I'm sorry, sorry. It. It was Bryce who said it first. <laughs> <laughs> the absolute worst thing they could do is make up a song about me. I'd rather get beaten up by them than hear a Michael McEwen or whatever. He's a up. wanker. <laughs> yeah, that loaded up. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, guys, enjoy yourself when you're there. I'm sure you will, but, you know. Just make a better room for everyone else. It's everyone else's fun too. Rory McIlroy, Open Championship. Bryce, Rory, he's going to be pretty key next week. <laughs> he said last week during the Irish Open that the RNA are, quotes, seriously considering putting Port Marnock on the Open rota. Thoughts on that, Mr. Ritchie? Didn't the RNA say they weren't looking at anything else on the Open rota a few months ago, end of? Yes. Yes. I think probably Rory has spoken out of turn, because the RNA like to keep things like that pretty quiet. I think there should be more in the open rota. I don't think that list is big enough. And I think it's good for the game to go to other countries and other regions and explore options. So I, I think that's a good thing. I do think that if, if Rory's been privy to conversations in the RNA clubhouse and has revealed that, then Mark's numbers will be Mega pissed My off. thoughts exactly because mm -hmm. I, I feel like well, there's there's two things for me. One, this is a terrible blow for the people who call it the British Open because well, Britain and Ireland, different countries, so that's going to be. Uh, I can imagine the the cognitive dissonance of Americans going, "What? <laughs> I'm really confused well, here. How, how, how does this well, work? I'm from Ireland." That's been an issue way. since. Oh God, the accents. That's been an issue since the 50s because Northern Ireland is not part of Great Britain. We, we, I can't go over this again, guys. That's, <laughs> and it's funny, know. they talk about the British Isles. That's the way they get away with it. So that's part of yeah, the British exactly. Isles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But So there's there's that. Alex, I'm also not sure, like Bryce says, that the RNA will thank Rory for making this declaration. Well, Bryce touched on it there. The RNA have got bigger issues to deal with in terms of the open rotor, there's the Muirfield and the Turnbury conundrums for starters. There's the, we should probably get it to Wales conundrum. So I don't, look, where do you draw the line? Like there's nothing as far as I'm aware that says 
the Open has to be played in Britain or the United Kingdom or wherever. But the channel. Ireland is a well, yeah. <laughs> Ireland, the line there. Ireland is a separate country altogether. It's you know it's part of the EU. It has the euro. If you if you want to get political about it, I mean, look, to be honest with you, we're probably about ten years away from the Open being played in Saudi Arabia anyway. So <laughs> why not go to Port Marduk? Interestingly, Bryce. <laughs> interestingly. The reopen at Royal Antwerp. It was only a couple <laughs> of years ago that Port Marnock took away its men only membership rule. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and it, it was famously, famously, yes. famously, oh yeah, the squad's going on. Well, they Port didn't, Marnock didn't no, speak no. like that, but that they were. There will be no women in here. No women. They were very strong on that front. But that has changed. Alex makes a good point. Where then do you draw the line? You're, you're shouting the, the channel. channel. The but channel. We're not going to France. You could like, though. Going to Ireland. Going to Ireland. No, you can't. It's the open. It's not designed by geography. I'm no, not touching the wall. You're talking about my map. You, 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 Ireland's. This is tricky. So it's on the same landmass as Northern Ireland. It's the island of Ireland. The island of Ireland. It's got a history with links. Its links courses are absolutely world class. Mm-hmm. It seems to make sense. I do feel slightly sorry for Wales because there's a couple of options in Wales and go to as well, but they were quickly dismissed. Very categorically dismissed in the Very summer. quickly yeah. dismissed. So, mm-hmm. listen, it's interesting. They ha- they have to move. They have to they have to make an addition to the open rota because there are two golf courses in our neck of the woods that are sort of sitting in the fence right now. They're problematic, which is which is hugely disappointing because Turnberry is. Turnberry is mind-blowing. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. And it also ticks all the other boxes, with the exception of its location. It's slightly far away for an open for people to get to, but they've made inwards, they've made uh, changes in the road network and so on. But it's still a bit of a, yeah, it's a wee bit of a pain in the neck to get to for an open. But they can do it. Muirfield. Muirfield is outrageously good. Mm-hmm. It's outrageously good. But there's issues. There are issues. So you're saying absolutely the UK and the island of Ireland and that's it as far as the Open goes. Nothing else. Of course. Where are you wanting to go? I can Sweden? Just, well, <laughs> I can just imagine Gary Player listening to this because he always tunes in afternoon, guys. He's imagining him sitting there right now listening going, they should bring it down to Sun City. We've got a wonderful golf course there and all the infrastructure you need and alligators. So poor Gary. Poor, poor Gary. Well, Gary Player had shoot, uh, logged into the call there. God. <laughs> it's like oh, having yeah. him in the room. Unbelievable. <laughs> Right. Heart, heart stops for a moment. <laughs> Podder of Merit. And we've got some news around Podder of Merit. We think there's been a bit of a breakthrough. But anyway, last week, Irish Open. Bryce, you picked Min Woo Lee. I picked Yannick Paul. Frankly, I'd have been better off picking Logan Paul the way he played last week. And Alex, <laughs> you picked Adrian Moronk. We went for Paul and Moronk, thinking they had a bit of a point to prove. Yannick Paul tied 45th vindicating Luke Donald's decision to leave him out, in my opinion. And Alex Moronk tied 23rd. Bryce Minwoo tied for 7th. Great pick, by the way. Very, very good pick. Thanks very much. So, ordinarily, you would get the point. I would get nothing. We'd have a bit of banter back and forth, blah, blah, blah. But we've got to change it up a bit because Alex is now becoming a permanent fixture on this show. And Steve the Ref, of course it was Steve the Ref, got in touch and suggested uh, a new scoring system. Basically, three points if your player wins, two points if they are the highest placed finisher, one point for the next highest placed finisher, and nada if they miss the cut or are the third highest place finisher. Does that make sense to you? Yep. 
Excellent. Yep. So, Bryce, you got two points, courtesy of Minwoo finishing highest of our three players. Alex, you get one for Moronk, and I get nada for Yannick. So, as it stands, Bryce four, Alex two, Michael one. And it's now up to 15, because obviously it could be over very quickly if you have three wins in the bounce, you get nine points off the back of it. So, yeah, Bryce, you have a bit of a commanding lead so far. Are you confident that the changes that Steve the Ref has proposed will change your fortunes in Podder of Merit? Uh, what do you mean change my fortunes? I am four points and you've got one. Yes, but in the my fortunes six are seasons, going pretty well for me right now. In the now. six seasons to date, I've battered you 5-1. Well, apart from now, I'm winning now. So I'm battering you right now. So there is, I don't want there to be a change in fortunes. I just want to carry on the way it is. So I'm quite happy. You see that? Total yeah. faith. Very good. Very good. Right. So, so, so sorry. So we're not backdating this uh, scoring system Shut to last up, week where I was top. So I should have got two points for last week. Bryce should have got one for last week and you zero. No, because it's just a game, Alex, and we're not taking it that seriously. Jesus Christ almighty. Tell that to Steve the ref. I'll tell him it at Drygate. How's about that? Because presumably you'll come up. Steve, of course you're going to come to Drygate, aren't you? Right, this week, BMW PGA Championship. And I should add, this is Thursday. The tournament's underway and we did make our picks yesterday in private in a little Teams chat that we've got. So, Bryce, the honour was yours. You chose... Shane Lowry. Very good. Alex? I'm taking Mr. Tom Kim. Excellent. And I am going for an American who has won at Wentworth before, Mr. Billy Horschel. So we will see how they fare this week. We'll finish up with Honesty Box. Alex, you pitched this one to us. Celebrity programs. Apparently you're 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 not a fan of them. Care to elaborate? <sighs> I think it's not the celebrity aspect of it that I'm not a fan. I, I don't really like pro-ams anyway. I I don't think I've ever spoken. No, played in never enough of them, it. Hasn't, well, it's yeah. never stopped you refusing an invite. That is, that is a very fair point and one that I'm not going to retaliate. <laughs> um, it's, for me, it's, it's the super rich businessmen who are just throwing money at it because oh, they can go and play with a DP World or a PGA Tour star for a few holes. The players don't like doing them. I I, I do like the celebrity pro-am at Wentworth. I think it's an incredible occasion for golf. I think it really gets everyone involved. I'd like to see the celebrities perhaps do a bit more. I mean, we've seen down the years the likes of Niall Horan get involved and you've seen what he's done for the game since you know catching that bug in 2014 or 15, whenever it was. And you, know, you wrote a piece where you said we absolutely should be taking advantage of these young, cool celebrities getting involved in golf and, and jumping on that. And you're absolutely right, we should be, but that's going to involve the celebrities actually doing a little bit more. It's, I don't know, there, there are some celebrities that to just be fair, show up. On, yeah, which to be uh, fair, sorry to interrupt, the, 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 the boy from One Direction does does do quite a lot more. Exactly, I know what you're saying, but exactly. I, I just He's, had to interject, you did sound like a dad when you said young, cool celebrities, yes. I thought that is a dad comment. Well, I am, I am a, well, I'm four, by the time this goes out, I'm going to be 41 years old. I'm going, I'm, I am a dad and Niall Horan is young and cool and a pop star. So, 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 so you are bang on. I'm, I am absolutely jumping I'm, all I'm over a, that. I, That's I don't fine. mind, I don't mind celebrity problems. I understand the, the, the corporate, big wigs need to play because that funds the tournament mm -hmm. I, I remember being told years ago that the bar, when it was the Barclays Scottish Open 
that pro-am didn't sell. They didn't sell any tickets for that because the the business that was done by the corporates that turned up that week f- helped fund the tournament. That they in they were able to just give away uh, so many of those spots. What? Unbelievable. Didn't pay for it. So that is hugely. So that should be a separate thing. That should yeah. be a separate thing. Like if they're players know their role in terms of sponsorship days. They know that they have to give back to the the people that pump the money into the game. So make that separate. The, the players, I've never spoken to a player that wants to play in a pro-am, honestly. I, I do think pro-ams are for, pro-ams are for pa- perhaps for people who are for fleeting interest in the, in the game and have turned up on the day. You're mad keen golfers. I, I don't want to go and see the boy from Spider-Man play golf. I don't really have any interest. I'm sure my boy would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He would quite like. He probably yeah. follow him more than well, Rory. Look at the crowds that were at Wentworth yesterday. I mean, yeah. that, that proves that there's a demand for yeah. that type of golf. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I have to say, just while we're on this case about BMW, we've sort of criticised the BMW in the last few years. It looks like a good event. This it looks week. really good. Yeah, cracking event. Yep. Absolutely brilliant. The mm-hmm. course looks brilliant. The setup looks great. It's got an unbelievable field, and I think you know what. Sometimes the the tour. The tour, the DP World Tour needs to start going in the right direction. It's a cracking event this week. Absolutely. Absolutely brilliant. Do you think it's still the flagship event for the DP World Tour? It's a tricky one, considering the spot that's that we've had many times we've had this conversation, the spot that Scottish Open's had. I do think they probably will. They will... I know they see it as the, as the flagship. It probably is right now, but I think it's at the wrong time in the season. Yeah. I loved it in May. Yeah, wrong time of the season, and I think the beginning. I do like the start of the European Tour when they're out in Dubai and so on, but they've tweaked that as well, so it's not the same. I mean, they've got a new event coming in is mm. it, in, in, mm. in, in the next few months, so maybe that'll that'll twist it. But yeah, probably as the flagship now. Well, they've had they've had to move it because otherwise they weren't going to get any Americans coming over. It's as simple yeah, as that, isn't it? The, American, it. the the Americans weren't coming over in May because why would they? Yeah, but they're still not. I mean. It's not a huge. It's not exactly Jordan. Be nice for a few more. But that's that's a that's a struggle, and it, and it is a huge. And Billy Horshaw, his comments yesterday were absolutely bang on. He's disappointed that some of his team, you know, his teammates, he's not his teammates, his tour mates, contemporaries haven't turned up. I think the guys bang on, and yeah, I've said that before on. about Billy Horshaw. You know, the guys, the guys travelled. To be fair, so did Patrick Reed, one hundred percent. And I, I think that deserves a bit of a. Bit of respect, and it is, it is disappointing that they don't travel. But the problem is, they don't need to. They are making unbelievable amounts of money over there. There's no real requirement to travel over here. But you would think, if Keith Pelly's got got a say in the contract, talks about this com- combination of live PGA tour. We managed to get through a whole podcast without saying the word live. But mm. sorry, if they've got, if he's got a very serious say in that, you'd think at some point he would say. I would like maybe once every three or four years in a player's contract that they have to play BMW as part yeah. of our deal. And that doesn't happen. No, absolutely. Very true. Let's let's bring it back to pro-ams then. So I think we're pretty much agreed that there is value in celebrity pro-ams. I certainly think there is. I mean, golf's trying yeah. to, and it's made this case about wanting to get younger people playing and you know attract more girls into the game. Niall Horan is the guy to do that. Harry Styles is the guy to do it. Lewis Capaldi is the guy to do it. Throw an arm around them, just let them play. It's it's only once or twice a year. I mean, God almighty. But pro-ams generally, we've all played in a few. We've played with some great players. But if you could pick any celebrity to play in a pro-am with, who would it be? Kate Beckinsale. 
Well, you love our movies. Name, name, name three Kate Beckinsale movies. Go. Van Helsing. <laughs> yes. The one that in the New York with the, the snow and the ice rink with the other guy that was Serendipity. Serendipity, that's it. Two. Okay, one and a half. Alex had to help you out with the cycle. And Van Helsing two. <laughs> right, so Alex, whilst you present your case, I'm going to see if there was a Van Helsing too, because you may just have nailed it. Superb. I, had, I actually had a very embarrassing moment during the Wentworth Pro-Am a few years ago, because I noticed that David Howell was playing with someone called Martin Ling. Now, at the time, the Torquay United manager was called Martin Ling. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's quite a Mate, famous I don't know who Torquay manager is. Hey, oh. <laughs> In the lower leagues. Are they a French and, uh, side? So okay. I... Oh, That's a live team. Talk. That's my live team. They, they, they put their little accent on the end this year to become Torquay. <laughs> so clearly that's your team, Alex. So I trekked all the way out to the arse end of that West course to find David Howe's group so that I could meet Martin Ling, the manager of my football team, and it was a different Martin Ling, and I was absolutely raging. <laughs> uh, How many Martin Lings of, are there? In terms of people I'd love to play golf with, I don't know if Eric Cantona plays golf, but that would be fun, wouldn't it? My my childhood hero in terms of football and just, well, a, a character, of course. Who, who do I like celebrity-wise at the moment? Maybe, I, I mean, look, someone like, I'm going to say this just to piss Bryce off, but Adam Sandler would be great fun to play with. So he starred alongside Kate Beckinsale in a movie called yeah, Quack Kate Beckinsale. There you go. Me, Bryce versus Sandler. No, sorry. Me and Sandler versus Bryce and Beckinsale. There you go. I'm afraid, Bryce, there was no Van Helsing too. Or if there I, was, there Kate was, wasn't in it. There absolutely was. Hold on. So Van Helsing was out in 2004. If there was a sequel, Kate didn't appear, I'm afraid. You could have had, and I'm amazed you didn't get these, you could have had The Trials of Kate McCall in 2013, The Elder Scrolls Online 2014, Eliza Graves. Who can forget Eliza Graves? Great, absolutely brilliant reviews. Then there's Underworld, obviously the big one. 2018, she was in a film called Farming. Oh, Jesus Christ. Then Jolt in 2021, Prisoner's Daughter, Fool's Paradise. She was also in a film in 2012 called Republicans Get In My Vagina. Right. Did not see that. Which stars... Yes. Starred is probably a bit of a loose expression. She played Woman Number Three. Apparently. <laughs> that's, a really, that's a really weird film name. Yes. So you're going Sandler, Alex. Bryce, you're going Kate Beckinsale. I am going for, and listen, we've got to well over an hour into this podcast, and I know my wife's not listening any longer. Rachel Stevens from S Club 7. <laughs> it's just, it's your wife just after 15 minutes, she's like, that's enough. She likes Bryce's back update. She likes the grass update. And then she's like, yeah, once you start talking about golf, I said, going to a different so podcast. I'm out of here. Like Fern Cotton's Happy Place or something like that. Rachel Stevens, so that's your celebrity. So for, yeah. you, so for you, you've just turned this into celebrity crush rather than Essentially, people yeah. I want to play golf yeah. And you picked Adam Sandler, so what does that <laughs> say? Good luck, Alex. I would, I would take him out for dinner. He would pay, obviously. Clearly. Would. Yeah. Now, I think uh, Rachel Stevens, S Club are coming back as well. They're on a tour. So, yeah, I'm excited <laughs> about that. Is Bradley singing? <laughs> Bradley? <laughs> I, I take your word for it, there's someone called Bradley, but yeah. Yeah. Rachel Stevens, I had yeah. posters of her on the wall. Um, yeah, she's just, she's magnificent. 
if she ever wants to come on the podcast, I'll happily go and meet her wherever she wants in whatever hotel and, and have that chat. It's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> right, look, we have to wrap it up because we've prattled on long enough. Thank you very much to you all for listening. Thank you, Callaway, for your continued support. Remember, podcast live taking place at Drygate October 5th, presented by Eden Mill. Bunker.co.uk forward slash podcast live. Go and buy your tickets now because they're actually selling very fast and you will miss out. And you don't want to because it's the first one we've ever done and it might well be the last. Who knows? Bryce, thank you very much for your time as always. Thank you. Mr. Perry, thank you for, for calling in. Thank you. Always fun. It is, isn't it? Until next week, <laughs> ladies and gents, bye bye for now. <laughs>